August 30th at 7 p.m. Um, if you attended the last Awana meeting, there's no need to attend this one. It's the exact same thing. Um, just kind of a, what are we doing this year? Where are we going this year? And, and some of the new uh, ideas that we have. Um, probably about between 30 and 45 minutes. It, it won't take up very much of your evening. Um, the last announcement this morning is the White Church is out this week for baby Alicia, which is the granddaughter of Jody Peters. Some of you might uh, know Kenny and Kirsten from Awana. Um, Kenny and Kirsten's older brother, whose name is Tommy, and his fiancee's baby was born, I believe, four months early. I think it was four months early. The baby was born weighing one pound, three ounces. Um, in Hershey Hospital. Uh, it's now been uh, a couple of weeks, I believe, and the baby's doing well. Um, one of their biggest prayers was that the baby's bowels would work correctly, and it seems to be that that is working now. Um, but the baby will need, Alicia will need open heart surgery uh, for a hole in her heart and a valve that's on the outside. So we can just continue to pray for this family. Um, the dad is not able to stay in the Ronald McDonald house because he's only 17. Um, so he's been actually staying in the Hershey waiting room with the baby and having to, having to buy meals and, and all of this completely unexpected. So we have the white church out today to help this family. Um, if you feel led to, uh, to give, you can put your money in the white church and we'll make sure it gets to, um, to Jody Peters and um, their family. Let's open with a word of prayer this morning. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that nothing catches you by surprise, even baby Alicia being born so early. Lord, you know what the future holds. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to make this little baby stronger and stronger as, as the days continue. Lord, may they be surrounded by people who love them as you love us. Lord, we ask that you would move in this place this morning. Father, may we hear your truth. May we hear you speak directly to our hearts and to our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us to worship the Lord together? Though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. When the waters rise, I'll lift my eyes, I'll lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in this heart, I will praise you, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. In the darkness I'll dance, in the shadows I'll sing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When I cannot see you with my eyes, let faith arise to you. When I cannot feel your hand in mine, let faith arise to you. God of mercy and love, I will pray. 
sing together uh, it talks about the valley of dry bones and maybe you're familiar with that chapter uh, in the Bible but you can't help but look around at what's going on in the world and, and see that we're living in a valley of dry bones right? a nation that is so confused, so lost so, has so much pain, so much hurt um, but, but I love this song because it talks about and you think of the chapter of dry bones, how the Lord can take dry bones and bring them to life. Um, and that's our prayer. The Lord will bring revival to this nation. Verse 2, but we know that you are God and yours is the victory. We know that there's more to come that we may not yet see. So with the faith you've given us, we step into the valley unafraid. Let's sing this together. of man it seems there's so much we have lost as we look down the road where all the prodigals have walked one by one the enemy has whispered lies and let them off as You are God, yours is the victory. We know there is more to come than we may not yet see. So with the faith you've given us, we step into the valley unafraid. We call to dry bones come alive come alive we call out to dead hearts come alive come alive up out of the ashes let us see an army rise we call out to dry bones come alive God 
God of endless mercy, God of unrelenting love. Rescue every daughter, bring us back the wayward sons. By your spirit, breathe upon them, show the world that you alone can save. You alone can save. Pull out to dry bones, come alive, come alive. We call out to dead hearts, come alive, come alive. Up out of the ashes, let us see an army rise. We call out to dry bones, come alive. Oh, breathe, oh, breath of God, now breathe, oh, breath of God, breathe, oh, breath of God, now breathe, breathe, oh, breath of God, now breathe, oh, breath of God, breathe, oh, breath of God, now breathe, we call out. To dry bones come alive, come alive. We call out to dead hearts, come alive, come alive. Up out of the ashes, let us see the army rise. We call out to dry bones, come alive. We call out to dry bones, come alive. Amen. Great singing. Would you take a moment to turn around and greet those around you in Jesus' name this morning?
All right, well, a couple of things we do want to bring before the Lord this morning. Um, I have a note from uh, Melissa Morrison. Last week she was here, as you know, and uh, she presented her ministry to um, the Somali women over in uh, Minneapolis. Um, she says, Dear Word of Life Chapel, I was so encouraged by your generous love and the body of Christ's support you showed me this past Sunday. Thank you for allowing me to share how he is leading me to build redemptive relationships among the Somalis and how God is continuing to spread his glory to all nations through bringing many to our backyards now. God has given me courage to stand to share uh, of his saving truth in Minneapolis because of such supportive people like you. Thanks for the love, financial support, prayers to an almighty God again and again, seeking him boldly, Melissa Morrison. So uh, we're thankful that we were able to give to her almost uh, $1,000 last week. That was great to uh, be able to do that. Um, pray for Sarah Marco as well. She handed me a note. She had a leg injury a few weeks ago uh, that's not healing the way it should. So please keep her in your prayers. Um, I also sent an email um, to some of you that are on my list uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Jean and Joyce Hoffman are celebrating, actually did celebrate their 70th, that is 7-0, 70th year of marriage together. Uh, so we congratulate them. And the email was said that we wanted to have a, a card shower. Still not too late. Uh, if you have a chance to send them a card, I'm sure they would greatly be encouraged by that. Uh, they have not been in church for quite some time now uh, due to illnesses and, you know, failing bodies, all of those things. Uh, but keep them in your prayers. And if you have a chance, send them a card. Uh, I think that would, uh, up, uh, would lift up their spirits uh, greatly. Seventy years, can you imagine? No. <laughs> it's hard to imagine, isn't it? Seventy years. Oh, my word. The same person. I can't imagine that. Sorry, dear. <laughs> no, that was, that was nothing personal. Nothing personal. Where are we? We're not close to 70 yet. It just seems like a long way off. Anyway, we thank the Lord that he has uh, given them uh, this time together. So, Father, as we come before your throne again, we thank you. Uh, you're a great and loving God, and it's good to be able to come once again before your throne. We are thankful, Lord, that you have given to Jean and Joyce all of these years together. Uh, Father, it's good to see them together. Uh, it was good to see how Jean was helping Joyce the other day down a handicap ramp with her, with her walker, right beside her, helping her. And so we thank you for this relationship, and we do pray, Lord, that you might give them good health, that they might be able to join us. Uh, I know they miss coming to the church, and we miss, Lord, seeing them sit right down front. And so we commit them to you and pray that uh, you would allow them, Lord, to come back and join us once again in worship. Uh, we pray for Sarah. We do pray that, Father, you would touch this leg and you might heal her uh, of this injury. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for Melissa Morrison and know that this week uh, she will be traveling to uh, Minneapolis 
and she will be serving there, uh, helping uh, these uh, Muslim women and children. We pray that, Lord, you would give her courage and boldness uh, to be able to share her faith uh, with, these, with this group of people. Uh, we think of this little uh, girl, Lord, who has come into the world so prematurely. Uh, we commit her to you. We pray for the surgeries that are necessary. We thank you, Lord, that uh, she is gaining weight as small as it might be, but this is an encouragement. And so we commit this entire situation uh, to you. Father, we think of John and Amanda. Uh, we know that now they have passed that due date. Uh, we do pray that you would watch over Amanda and pray that in your timing, Lord, that this child might come into the world. Father, again, we thank you. We thank you that you are a wonderful God. And Lord, as we come before you, we're, uh, we're uh, so appreciative that we can come before your throne. That, you, Lord, you have said that we are welcome in your presence. And that, Father, you hear every prayer we offer. And so we thank you, Lord, for that. We praise you, Lord, for who you are. Father, we certainly thank you for the great salvation which is ours in Jesus alone. We thank you, Father, that uh, your Son is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. And we pray this morning that each one here knows you in a very personal way, knows you, Lord, for their uh, salvation, knows you as uh, their Savior, and that they are abound uh, for the promised land. Father, we pray for the picnic that follows. Father, it's always a good time to be able to go out to Carsonville and, and just spend time together. Father, we know the importance of fellowship, the importance of relationships. Uh, Father, life is about relationships. It's about loving one another and serving one another. And we'll talk about that, Lord, in just a moment. But we thank you that we can, we can meet together outside the church uh, and just enjoy being with one, one another, talking with one another. And so we thank you, Father, for the weather, the forecast that, uh, that, that we have uh, seen. And uh, we're just thankful for the day and pray that everything we do, Lord, not just in this church, but even back at the Picnic Grove, everything we do this day might bring glory and honor to yourself. So again, we thank you for allowing us to come into your house, Lord, and we've come to worship you in spirit and in truth, and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Turn in your hymn books to 288.
497. And I'll ask you to stand with me as, as we sing, There is joy in serving Jesus. And then those in junior church can be dismissed. 497. The Bible says that you are God's masterpiece. You have been uniquely created and uniquely designed to do good works, to serve other people. God is the potter and we are the clay. And God has shaped you for a purpose, the purpose to love one another, to help build the body 
to help one another grow in maturity. God has gifted all of us and has given us a responsibility to use that gift to benefit the body and the church of Christ. So we come this morning to the last in a series on service. And we come to Romans chapter 12, where Paul mentions that we need to surrender and then serve. Last week we looked in Ephesians that we are saved to serve. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, we need to offer our bodies a living sacrifice, and then he goes into service. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12 and look at verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He begins by saying we must surrender. We must offer ourselves a living sacrifice. When I think of living sacrifice, I, I, I'm always reminded of the man, actually the young fellow, uh, when the account took place. Back in Genesis 22, you remember Isaac when his dad took him to the altar to offer him as a sacrifice to God. And here was Isaac, who was willing to lay down his life, to die to self, yielding himself to the very will of God. You know, Jesus, we looked last week, or two weeks ago, uh, of his attitude, an attitude of humility, an attitude of obedience, an attitude of sacrifice, willing to go to the cross, Willing to say, not my will, but God, your will be done. We are to be living sacrifices. And in order to understand the will of God for us, we must die to self and live that life that is holy and pleasing to God. And again, in, in connection with gifts, to understand that gift, we must be walking and talking with God. So how do we sacrifice, or how do we surrender? Well, he goes on to say, do not conform to this world. There's a song in our hymn books that we sing, all to Jesus I surrender, humbly at his feet I bow, worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. That phrase, worldly pleasures all forsaken. Paul says, do not conform to the world, but be transformed. Now, it wasn't that long ago that we looked at this passage, and uh, we had a butterfly up on the screen. Do you remember that? Because the word transformed, uh, we get our word metamorphosis, that great change from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Well, a great change has taken place in your life. A dramatic change has taken place 
in your life. And so Paul says that we are, not, we are not to be conformed, but we are to be transformed. And then, you see the little word then right there in verse 2. Uh, the NIV Study Bible actually uh, describes the, uh, the, the word then and what follows. He says, after the spiritual transformation just described has taken place, after this great transformation has just taken place, then, the NIV Study Bible says, we then are able to understand and discern the will of God. That is what God wants for us here and now. Which leads us to verse 3. Paul then goes on to say, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. God's will for us is not to be served, but to serve. That's God's will for us. And this sermon this morning really is kind of the climax of the entire series because we want to go to where the rubber now meets the road. Where is it that you ought to serve within the walls of this church? How do we serve? It's interesting in this verse. It says, in accordance with the faith. Uh, the other, uh, there's another translation that speaks of the measure of faith. And the, again, if I may quote the NIV Study Bible, but at the, in the footnote of that Bible, it says this, this is the power that is given by God to each believer to fulfill various ministries within the church. How do we serve? We serve being empowered by God himself. God who distributes the gifts. God who gives us by his grace freely the gifts. He is the one who empowers us, as the quote states. He empowers us, he gives us the power to fulfill the various ministries within the church. It's God who does that. It's God who does that. He gives the gifts, and then he enables us to carry out those gifts. God doesn't give us gifts and say, okay, now do it on your own. No, God empowers us. God gives us what we need to be able to fulfill the gifts in which he's given to us. Now, I keep talking about gifts. These are spiritual gifts. Uh, supernatural gifts given by God. You know, you have been given also natural gifts, right, when you're born. Uh, you know, I'm always amazed at some of the men who just have that natural ability to be able to just fix stuff. You know, whether it be plumbing or carpentry, they just know stuff. There, there's that natural ability to be able to to, to do things like that. And God has gifted you, many of you, uh, in different areas. Those ladies who are able to cook and make those wonderful pies and cakes, and we'll see a lot of that this afternoon 
back at the picnic grounds. But God has given you natural talents. And there are natural talents that God has given to all of us. God has given to you, some, uh, some of you, voices like angels to be able to sing. And as I was thinking through this, Gene, I, I was thinking of you. You know, a natural talent that you're born with. You just are able to sing and, and, and inspire and, and, and cause emotions within people. But there are also supernatural talents. And I'm certainly not minimizing natural talents because I think what God often does is he repurposes these natural talents, natural talents and has people use them within the church. But there are also those gifts, I believe, that are given at the moment we become a child of God's. That God gives to us certain abilities, certain gifts, certain talents, if you will, to be used within the church. And these are supernatural. Let me give you an example. You know, I, 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 I stand before you this morning... And I am teaching, preaching, whatever you want to call it, whatever I'm doing up front here. A little bit maybe of both. But this was not a natural talent that God gave to me. As a matter of fact, when I think back over my young years, I was petrified, paralyzed to speak in front of people. I can remember when I was in high school. And I was in a class in high school, and um, the teacher was giving us a test that day. The test was not written. The test was oral. And this is how he decided to conduct this test. He was going to ask every student, one at a time, to stand up from where they're sitting. He would ask them one question and expect an answer. That was it. So I am sitting there, and it's slowly coming to be my turn. My name is mentioned. I stand to my feet, and he asks me a question. I knew the answer. I knew the answer. I was surprised. I was shocked, but I knew the answer. But I was so paralyzed, nothing would come out of my mouth. I said nothing. And sat down. I was never able to speak in front of people. However, <laughs> here I am. This is not a natural talent. This is a supernatural gift that God gave to me in ministry. There are supernatural talents and there are natural talents. And I think... For example, with singing, and I keep coming back to that, but it's never mentioned in the Bible as a gift. But it's a natural talent which God, I believe, repurposes to not just be used personal, but to be used for the kingdom of God. And so we have these different gifts that are taking place now. And what Paul is saying right here in verse 3 is this. We're empowered by God. When someone comes to sing, God empowers them within God's church, within the kingdom. 
and gifts are to be used for others. Your gift is not to be used for yourself. Your gift is to be used for the benefit of the church. My gift is to be used for the church. Gifts are given for each other. And as I said, they are freely given. Several times as, you're, as I read this text this morning, you're going to hear the word grace, grace, grace. Because these are freely given by God. That's why we should not feel superior. Who of us can feel superior with the gift that we have? God gave it to us by his grace. I hear sometimes people say, boy, if I only was gifted like she is, or if I only could do what he does, well, they have no reason to boast either because their gifts are given by God himself. And so you have a gift, and we're going to try and unravel wrap that this morning, try to figure out where that gift is and what you should be doing. But if you have been gifted, there's no reason to boast. You can't boast. God has given you the gift freely by his grace. Look at verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, we form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts. Well, let me stop at verse 5. Who do we serve? Who is it that we serve with the gift that has been given to us? Well, here, Paul uses this analogy of the human body. You know, oftentimes people will say um, when they come to church, I didn't get anything out of that. Or when I come to church, I expect something. Or what will this church do for me? And you should expect something. Don't misunderstand me because everyone is gifted and you should expect those who are gifted, to give you something. When you come to Sunday school, you expect something from the teacher. When you come to church, you expect something in the way of music. When you come, you expect at least a sermon. Um, so you should expect something. But I believe there are some people who have it all wrong. That some people only expect something to be given and not to give back. Service is giving back. Service is done for others. And as I said, the analogy here of the human body, Paul, he describes these, these vital parts in the human body that are all working together. Everybody having different functions, but all needed for the health of the body. We are the eyes, the ears, the head, the hands, the legs, the feet of Christ. When we come into the church, we're all part of the body, all different functions, doing different things, but we all work together for the health of the body of Christ. And I think this illustration of the body, it helps to 
affirm our need for one another. We need each other. We really do. We cannot survive alone. We need one another. We are interdependent as believers. Three places in the Bible we have a list of gifts. This is one of them. Over in 1 Corinthians, there's a, another text and also in Ephesians chapter 4. In 1 Corinthians 12, 9, it speaks there of gifts for the common good. Again, for the common good, not to be used for ourselves, but to be used for the common good of the church. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, so the body might be built up. Our gifts are given to us so that we might build up one another. And so we need Gene Weaver to sing for us. We need a Kim Booker to feed us. We need Denny Hamill to cut our grass. Uh, we need Sunday school teachers to teach us and Nance and Ange to decorate our church. We need one another. We can't all do everything. We depend upon each other. We depend on the gifts of one another because we don't have what they have. They don't have what we have. And so that the church becomes healthy, we all need to be doing what God has called us to do. So what are these gifts? What are these gifts? As I said, there are three lists in the Bible. Actually, the Bible lists 18 gifts. I don't believe this is an exhaustive list. I think there are other gifts than the lists that are given here. But many scholars believe that here in Romans chapter 12, this is a list of foundational gifts. Foundational gifts gifts and some scholars believe that every christian has one of these seven and we're going to look at these in detail i'm going to try to explain them i'm going to try to illustrate them and i want to see if you can see where you fit into these so let's look look at verse six we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us there's our word grace again freely given now if your gift is prophecy then prophesy in accordance with your faith if it is serving then serve if it is teaching then teach if it is to encourage then encourage or then give encouragement if it is giving then give generously if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Seven gifts listed, motivational, foundational gifts that God has given to people within the church. Some have one, some have more. But these are those that are foundational. All right, so what does all this mean? Prophecy. Um, when we come to the New Testament, prophecy isn't necessarily uh, uh, looking and being able to predict the future as much as it is this. Declaring God's truth with or for a response. Declaring the truth of God 
looking for a response. It's the communication of God's word that brings conviction and builds up others. Um, as I said, not necessarily predicting the future. When we come to the New Testament, it seems to be more preaching. Preaching. Today, I'm preaching. Today, I'm looking for a response. Today, I'm looking for the Holy Spirit to convict some of you to discover your gift that you might say to yourself, I am going to do that. What about service? Service is seeing a need and meeting that need. You see a need and you meet that need. It's not seeing a need and complaining about that need. It's not seeing a need and talking about it. It is jumping in and meeting that need. Now, let me illustrate that or give you an example of that, and I think it might help to understand uh, what the gift of service is. Uh, last year in Awana, uh, Kim had on her uh, menu uh, the meal that served before Awana, tomato soup. Um, and the kids were sitting at their tables and everybody's eating their tomato soup. Well, one child, for one reason or another, this tomato soup did not agree with them, and the tomato soup that was swallowed came out. And while some of us were standing in the kitchen, now what should we do about this? Hope Hamill grabbed a rag and she was down on hands and knees scrubbing the floor. Now that's service. You see a need, you don't talk about it, you don't, you jump in and do something about it. Teaching. What is teaching? Well, we have a lot of wonderful teachers here at Word of Life Chapel. They teach in Awana, they teach at VBS, they teach in Sunday school. Uh, sharing God's truth that brings transformation. Sharing the truth of the Word of God that brings transformation. The difference between prophecy and teaching is not the content. Both are teaching God's Word. But the aim of a teacher is behavioral change. Looking for transformation. Tomorrow's school starts for many of you. Well, not many of you. Many of those that have already exited the church and went down to their various classes. Uh, other schools, I believe, have started already this past Monday. Um, and the teachers in at the high schools and grade schools, elementary schools, they will give lots of information to their students. A teacher in the church gives lots of information, but with an aim at transformation. The truth of God's word changes us. The truth of God's word brings about a transformation. And that's the aim, that's the goal of the teacher. Not just to inform, but to transform. What about encouragement? The word encouragement has a number of uh, words that are actually used in different translations. Uh, exhort, to comfort, and here it says to encourage. The NIV Study Bible says this, exhorting others with an uplifting, cheerful call 
to worthwhile accomplishment. Now, all that to say, uh, the, the gift of encouragement uh, are, are, is given to those who, uh, or these people who have that gift, they're motivators. They're motivators. Um, they come up alongside, and by the way, the Holy Spirit is said to be a comforter or a counselor. And that word is the word that's used here. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us to help us. This person with this gift comes alongside of others and says, you know, you can beat that bad habit. Or, you know, you can, you can read your Bible just a little bit more. I know you can do it. Someone called this the gift of cheerleading. <laughs> you know, it's, it's someone who encourages you. You can do that. You say, no, I can't. I can't read my Yes, you could do that. Or you have a bad habit and you say, I just can't break. Yes, you could do it. You, you really can. That's the encourager that comes alongside. This is the one who sends cards and sends emails and makes phone calls and says, hang in there. Keep going. And then we come to the gift, or the, the, the gift of giving. Now, the, lest you think this lets everyone off the hook that does not have the gift of giving, we know that not to be the case. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Bible says we're all to give our tithes and offerings. But this gift, it's a special gift, seems to be spontaneous private benevolence. Like service, it sees a need, but it gives out of its pocketbook. Again, let me try and paint a picture so you can understand the gift of giving. Last week, we had the white church in the foyer. And last week, we collected $960. Some of you, and I know, you're regular givers to the white church. That's a spontaneous, private benevolence. You hear of a need. We have the white church out today. And many of you that gave last week, you've already come prepared today to put something in the white church. There's a great need right now for Jody Peters' granddaughter. And some of you will respond to that need. And out of your wallets and pocketbooks, you will put in the white church. I think that's a great example of someone with the gift of giving. It's not regular tithing, as we're all to do, but it's in addition to that. And some of you, out of the graciousness of your finances, uh, you give sacrificially uh, to these benevolent needs that you often hear of. Leadership. If you have the gift of leadership, uh, do it diligently. The gift to organize, to inspire, to give direction. Kind of a take-charge person. Not to lord over, right? The Bible's quite clear that the, the leaders are not to lord over those who they are leading, but to lead by example. And then it closes with the seventh gift, the gift of mercy. Mercy is a gift, and it looks like this. Here's a person who sees someone who is hurting. 
who sees someone who is struggling for one reason or another, someone who is in pain and reaches out. Their heart breaks when they hear of someone that had to be taken to the hospital. These pray regularly, I believe, for those on the sick list. When they see those on the sick list, they're persevering because their heart goes out to those in pain. These are the ones that make phone calls to those who have been taken to the hospital. These with a gift of mercy are those who notice, those who aren't in church for a couple of weeks. These are those who during the greeting time say, how are you doing? And they really mean it. <laughs> they really mean it and really want to know the gift of mercy. As I was describing these, I, I hope you saw yourself somewhere in one of these seven. However, if you didn't, let me try something different. I was watching a video by Charles Stanley. And um, he was much younger when I saw this video. It was on YouTube. Um, he was much younger when he gave this sermon. But he addressed his congregation. And as he was addressing them, uh, the, the sermon series, series was on gifts. And he was talking about these seven gifts uh, being foundational, being motivational. And he said, let me give you an illustration uh, to help you see yourself in one of these gifts. And so I'm stealing right now his illustration. He said, I want you to suppose there's a surprise birthday party. And there's a, yeah, there's that wonderful cake. Oh, my. Wouldn't, wouldn't that taste good right now? So there's a surprise birthday party. Seven people have been invited to the party. Yeah, not a coincidence to deal with the seven gifts. Seven people are at this party. They're all sitting around the table. And they're just waiting now for this cake to arrive, right? And they're starting to sing happy birthday to you, da-da-da-da-da-da. And so here comes the cake. Here comes the cake. And someone is carrying this layered cake to the table. Their foot catches on the carpet, and they stumble. This cake falls to icing everywhere. Candles burning on the sides of the curtains. It's a complete disaster, a complete mess. How do these seven people at the party respond to this mess? Well, the one with the gift of prophecy says this. You know you're, you're a little bit clumsy. Wanting to correct something. The person with service, the gift of service, what do they do? They're right down on their hands and knees. They're, they're like Hope with a, a, a tea towel in her hand. They're just starting to scrub and starting to clean up everything, seeing the need. What about the teacher? Teacher says, well, you know, the, the reason you drop the plate and the cake is, <laughs> again, trying to help to change behavior that it might not happen again. The one with the gift of encouragement says, now listen, next time what you need to do is you need to hold it differently 
you can do this. You just need to do it maybe in a little different way. This is a cheerleader, right? This is a cheerleader. Or the one who has the gift of giving, no problem. I'll go buy you another cake. The one with leadership stands back and says, now you go get the broom and you get the mop. Now be careful, don't step on any glass. And the one with the gift of mercy says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just so sorry. It hurts me so badly to know that you tripped and fell. You see yourself anywhere in that illustration? How would you respond? I'm, I'm trying to help you see what of these seven gifts do you have where you fit? I hope somewhere in all of us you see how God has wired you. And we've all been wired, right? God has wired us in a certain way. We react to circumstances in a certain way. When you try to determine your gift, I, I think sometimes we need to ask these questions. How is it that God has wired me? How has he wired me? How do I respond to situations like the one that was just described? Or what are you good at? What is it that you're really good at? Or what do you love to do? What are your passions? What do you enjoy? And sometimes, you know, I, I know sometimes, you know, we get, kind of get caught up in this, um, try to analyze, you know, who is it that I am and what is my gift? If you're still a bit not sure, sometimes you just need to, Try something through trial and error. Maybe you just need to plug into somewhere in the church and see. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. If you don't, don't stay. Because God wouldn't put you in a place that you don't enjoy. Sometimes it just boils down to trial and error. I was recently at a funeral and um, in this church, I um, picked up a little brochure that was in the hymn rack uh, right in front of me. And um, it says, do something. Do something. And they were looking uh, for the interests and the gifts. It's an inventory. And I was paging through this. And uh, let me just read uh, some of the things that they've listed. And I'll mention a few other things uh, that relate maybe more to our church. But when you look at these seven, and let's say, you, let's say you, I am one who serves. I like to meet needs, or I am an encourager. I, I am that one that, that kind of says, you can do it. You can do it. Or mercy. You know, I, I've been praying through the prayer list. Because, you know, when I see a new name, I, 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 I see their situation, it hurts me. And so I, I pray for them. When you begin to say, yeah, that, that is me, that is me. But then how does that translate when we come to church? It starts out by, um, speaks about teaching summer school or, or being a Sunday school helper. Now, of course, summer, summer's over. <laughs> but nevertheless, it mentions a teaching ministry. Volunteering at VBS or volunteering after VBS to clean up or to decorate. Um, again, here's... Uh, things that can be done if you have the gift of service. 
You volunteer to help meet that need. Uh, Kim has been uh, mentioning in the bulletin the need for helpers in the kitchen. They mention here providing food or materials for events. Um, you know, there's always need for uh, those to be in the kitchen to help serve meals. That's the gift of service. There's a need, and we're going to meet that need. Provide rides to church on Sunday or to provide a ride during the week to appointments. Uh, join the email prayer chain. I mentioned the prayer chain being a, uh, a gift of mercy, praying for people. But here, providing rides during the week to uh, take people to appointments. You know, I know there are occasions when we'll get an email or a call from someone and they'll uh, say, we need an appointment to go to such and such a doctor on such and such a day at such and such a time. The person with the gift of mercy would respond to that. Here's a person who doesn't have a car, doesn't have a way to get to a doctor appointment, and their heart goes out to them. Groundskeeping crew. Now, I've already mentioned Denny mowing the grass, but, you know, sometimes there are weeds that grow around the church, and um, I know Denny does some of that. I know there was a, a lady who came a couple weeks ago, saw some weeds out back, and she just stopped and said, I just want to pull those weeds. Gift of service, right? You see a need, there's weeds. I'm not going to call the pastor and say, there's weeds. I'm going to go come and pull the weeds. By the way, you don't have to ask me if you want to come and pull weeds. You don't even have to ask Denny if you want to pull weeds. You want to come and pull weeds, you pull weeds till your heart's content. Nursery volunteers, uh, greeters and ushers, PowerPoint operators in the back. There sits Pete all by himself. He would just love to have someone who knows audio and video to be able to help. Greeters and ushers. I know Jim um, um, Snyder. Uh, who kind of heads up the greeters and ushers and puts together that whole schedule. He's always looking for helpers. Awana. You know, I, I wrote myself Awana. Not this, it's not on this pamphlet, but I wrote Awana. There's so many gifts that could be used at Awana. Service for sure, but I thought of the gift of encouragement. You know, as, as you sit down with a little boy, a little girl, and you work through those handbooks, and try to help them memorize verses and work through it. To be able to say, you can do this. You can do this. No, no, no. You, you're, you're okay. You can do this. See, that's the cheerleader mentality. Rah, rah. Sis, boom, bah. And then I mentioned giving already, uh, putting in the white church. To Jody Peters this morning, even this morning, some of you will exercise the gift of giving. And there's so much more. There's just so much more. So you take this text, and let me just encourage you. Take this home and read through what I read this morning. Looking at the gifts, what is that gift that God has given to me? And then how does that translate into the church? What can I do? And I leave you with these words on this pamphlet. Do something. You know, do something, try something, try something, because we really do need each of you. God has given you to this church, and God has given to you a gift to be used within this church. And unless we all work together, the church will not be as healthy as it needs to be.
So I pray uh, that you might um, take this to heart uh, because we really do uh, need each one of you. Father, now we close this series and I pray that, Father, you might continue to speak. For, Father, we need everyone to do their part. I thank you, Lord, so much this morning for those who know their gift, they're using their gift, uh, they have plugged in. Father, we thank you for those who joyfully serve you in so many different capacities. And for those, Lord, who are trying to still figure out where they fit in, I pray that your Holy Spirit might direct them and guide them to the right place. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your hymn books. Turn with me to 498. 498. Come all Christians be committed. And I want to sing just stanza one and two. Just the first two stanzas and then we'll be dismissed. Go home, change, uh, grab a, your meal or whatever you're bringing to the picnic and uh, we'll see you all out there at about one o'clock. Let's stand together. Come all Christians be committed. <coughs> Come all Christians, be committed to the service of the Lord. Make your lives for Him more fitted. Tune your hearts with one accord. Come into course with gladness, each His sacred vows renew. Turn away from sin and sadness. Be transformed with life anew. Of your time and talents give ye. They are gifts from above. To be used by Christians freely. To proclaim his wondrous love come again to serve the savior offerings with you bring in your work with him find favor and with joy his father we bow before you once again this morning thanking you for giving to us gifts by your grace. Father, what a joy it is to serve Jesus in the church. And I pray, Lord, that each of us might find that great joy in the gifts that you have bestowed upon us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.